بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته and welcome to the enlightened minds podcast بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاه والسلام سيدنا وصحبه اجمعين برحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين as the blessed month of ramadan approaches Every Muslim looks forward to reaping the blessings and bountiful rewards of this month. The month in which Allah, the most generous, in his infinite mercy, has promised to multiply the reward of his righteous servants as much as 700 times and even more. He subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Wallahu yudha'ifu liman yasha. Allah multiplies his reward for whom he wills. Surah Al-Baqarah verse 261. Also in a hadith narrated by Abu Huraira radiyallahu an, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Every deed of the son of Adam will be multiplied between 10 and 700 times. Allah, may he be glorified and exalted, said, Except fasting It is for me and I shall reward it. He gives up his desires and food for my sake. So in Ramadan we rush to bank these extra rewards and we aim to excel in all that we do so as not to miss out on the many blessings. We can try to develop a deep focus and humility or khushu in our daily salah by taking time to fulfill the sunnah and nawafil prayers as well as the fard and we try to form a close attachment to the quran by reciting it much more perhaps to finish its entire recitation during the blessed month or to pray the tarawih the night prayer either at home or in the masjid many of us will try to understand the meaning of allah's words by studying the tafsir and translation of the quran and acting on the ayat as we should and as we try to make sure our fasting is full of patience and obedience to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whether it's helping our parents around the home or playing with younger siblings all of this is loved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and will be highly rewarded inshallah there are so many ways of gaining the rewards in ramadan and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala particularly loves that we keep in touch with our relatives and elders and fulfill the duty of keeping family ties also giving charity is a noble act and in ramadan as with everything else when we do it for the sake of Allah the rewards are magnified so ramadan is a month of reflection and a month of change Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Shahr Ramadan alladhi unzila fihi alquran hudan linnas wa bayyinat wa bayyinatin min alhuda wal furqan The month of Ramadan is that in which was revealed the Quran a guidance for the people and clear proofs of guidance and criterion surah al-baqarah 
clearly explains that the Furqan criterion and Huda guidance is divine. And if we take a step back and consider this, it is truly humbling because our Creator in His mercy for us has not left us. Rather, He has directed us towards having a clear mindset and has given us the detailed actions that we should do to live contented and happy lives. And He subhanahu wa ta'ala has even given us the best example of what it means to have good character through our beloved Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, this Qur'an is not only a book, it is a complete guide, huda, to governing our lives that gives us the criterion and furqan by which we evaluate everything around us. We use the Qur'an as a basis to know the difference between truth and falsehood, good and bad, right and wrong. There are so many opinions that we encounter in the world today about what to think and what to busy ourselves with. We are bombarded by the media telling us what to wear, what to learn, what to do and how to fit into society overall. And all this can seem overwhelming. But the Qur'an teaches us the difference between right and wrong, between what is good and bad, and this helps us in our lives. And the Qur'an is for all people, all mankind. Day-to-day decisions may be hard for us because we don't consider that maybe Allah is saving us from something that could harm us or take us away from His pleasure. But if we realize the greater knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His wisdom over all things, we will find the answers to everything we need to get through life are in the Qur'an. Now that we have established the role the Qur'an should play in our lives, we have to ask ourselves whether we as an Ummah actually look to the Qur'an for Huda and Furqan in everything that we do. Do we refer to the Qur'an in every aspect of our lives? Is our behaviour with our communities, Muslims and non-Muslim, all according to the teachings of the Qur'an? Are we applying the standards of Rasulullah in solving issues between people? The ultimate question is, is it our only reference point? Or do we look to other means to navigate our many dilemmas? Every time we face an issue, our duty is to stop and consider the Qur'anic guidance and make efforts to implement what it says. We know that our ibadah, salah, zakat, hajj and fasting must be practiced according to the detailed rules of the Qur'an and Sunnah. We don't ever contemplate or entertain the thought of making up how we pray. We would look at the guidance in the Qur'an and Sunnah to determine the routine of one rakah or indeed the whole salah. We would never even consider to change the order of the rituals in Hajj, saying let's go to Arafah first and then Mina. The rules of Hajj are fixed and detailed for us 
we refer to them wholeheartedly and obediently. So just as we refer to the Qur'an and Sunnah in our ibadah, we must also find out about what Islam has to say in all matters, social, economic, educational, judicial and political. Take the example of setting up a business. Would we just set one up and then refer to Islam as an afterthought? What do the Islamic rules and values have to say about business models and the parameters of these? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. That is because they say trade is just like interest. But Allah has permitted trade but forbidden interest. Surah Al Baqarah, verse 275. Most of us know that Islam does not permit interest. But how many of us have thought what Islam has to say about the details relating to ownership, wealth and currency? Did you know that Islam has a gold standard for its currency? These laws are detailed in the Qur'an, so we need to think, are we taking it as a guidance in all matters? All Muslims as devoted servants to Allah must be aware of these rules and the circumstances in which they must exist. Why? Because we have submitted ourselves in every capacity to Allah's will and law. When we utter the words, La ilaha illallah, we have said that we will not worship or associate partners in any capacity with Allah. So there is no room to refer to any other aqidah to decide in our affairs. The laws of Allah are the best for us, as Allah is the one that created us and knows what we need. He is the only one who can ensure our happiness through His divine revelation. In terms of economic laws, there are countless positives. Islam encourages the distribution of wealth, not only its accumulation, and all the laws related to tax, currency, interest, company structures and ownership were revealed to work together to create a harmonious society free from inequality and poverty. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his mercy has also guided us in all matters to do with our social interactions. He subhanahu wa ta'ala explained how we should behave with family, friends and the people we work and study with. He made it very clear what the relationship between men and women should be. It is supposed to be one of mutual cooperation and piety, not competition and disrespect. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even facilitated this in the rules revealed in the Quran related to the Islamic dress codes for both men and women. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explained which parts of the body should be covered and which may show for both genders and made the khimar and jilbab an obligation for women. He subhanahu wa ta'ala says <laughs> 
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها النبي قل لأزواجك وبناتك ونساء المؤمنين يدنين يدنين عليهن من جلابيبين ذلك أدنى أن يعرفن فلا يؤذين وكان الله غفورا رحيما O Prophet, tell your wives and daughters and the women of the believers to bring down over themselves part of their outer garments. That is more suitable that they will be known and not abused. And Allah is ever forgiving and most merciful. Surah Al-Ahzab, verse 59 Also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has explained the different rights roles and responsibilities that he has assigned to men and women. He subhanahu wa ta'ala has obliged women to study and gain knowledge and they may work, own property, inherit and be involved in political life. All of this has been revealed by Allah. In the same way, he subhanahu wa ta'ala has tasked men with providing for the family and for women to nurture it. The guidance of the Qur'an is also very relevant to our political affairs and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has detailed many rules for society, how to govern and pass judgments according to Islam. These are based on Qur'anic principles which uphold the core Islamic values essential for justice in any society. And because Islam places a high value on maintaining justice at every level, whether it be in the home, community, society, and in any nation, the Quranic principles forbid oppression through the governing structures. And this actually has an even greater impact on society overall than when justice is only upheld by an individual. So, we can see why this Qur'an is called noble, but that's still an understatement. It is much more than just a book when we realize its contents. It is a powerful guidance to the truth in all matters, and it is the standard by which we live. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. وَنَزَّلْنَا عَلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ تِبْيَانًا لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ وَهُدًى وَهُدًى وَرَحْمَةً وَبُشْرَى لِلْمُسْلِمِينَ And we have revealed the book, Qur'an, to you, explaining clearly everything. And guidance and mercy and good news is for those who submit. Surah An-Nahl Verse 89 The 21st century, globalized world we live in is getting faster and smarter by the day and we face many issues never before encountered. People may think that Islam can't deal with problems related to technological innovations and scientific breakthroughs because the Qur'an is just a religious book relevant only to the past. But in essence, people have not changed 
since the Quran was revealed. They still need to eat, sleep, form relationships, trade. They are still human in nature. In fact, if the lockdown has taught us anything, it's that we can survive on the most basic of needs. Human needs. Humans today are no different in their need to work, to have family and live a life of peace and cooperation. All this is achievable and the best possible way of doing so is through the teachings of the Quran and the Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad This is because these are from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As we continue to learn about the beautiful and deep divine guidance in the Quran, we must also accept that simply having awareness of its solutions is not enough. Without implementing these solutions, the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remain as theories, na'udhu billah, and the life of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is not at all honoured in the way it should be. Can we think of any other manual or guidebook that is read but not enacted? Even if we buy a simple table, we follow the instructions to make sure it's stable and secure. Today the world is at a critical juncture and millions across the globe are disillusioned by the ongoing failures of the current world order. Humanitarian and environmental issues have impacted billions and the established order is crumbling without any sign of turning poverty and injustice around. The current pandemic has made this clear for all to see. The question for us as Muslims today is whether we can bring the change that the world is demanding and what does that change look like? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Inna Allah la yughayyiru ma biqawmin hatta yughayyiru ma bi'anfusihim Indeed Allah will not change the condition of a people until they change what is within themselves. Surah Ar-Rad, verse 11. So it is clear that if we want to change, then we are the ones who need to change first. We need to collectively change. To improve ourselves individually is good, but it is not enough. And this ayah talks about the need for the qawm. nation to change not only the individual we must change the way we view things as a collective ummah and respond to problems with unity in our thoughts and actions we need to go back to the quran knowing with certainty that it is the only huda guidance and the only furqan criterion the only standard with which we determine the truth and falsehood and the only standard with which we determine the good and bad and the only point of reference in every single issue dear ummah of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam when you open the quran open it with this new found understanding of how this book should be taken 
it is not just a book to be beautifully recited, but actually it is a book full of guidance, help and solutions, fit for all our needs. This is the change that we are all crying out for, the change that so many are sacrificing and dying for. This is the change that will change the world forever. Let us also vow to be part of this change, the change that will bring Allah's deen back as a guidance for life, society and humanity. Vow to be that change, that change which is Islam. Jazakallah khair for listening to the Enlightened Minds podcast. Enlightened Minds is a Muslim youth project with the aim of enlightening thinking, encouraging debate, equipping the next generation and empowering future leaders. If you have benefited from this podcast, please like, share and subscribe. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.